Here's your host, Alex Garrett. And welcome inside to episode number three of Alex Garrett Nightly. I hope you're doing well. I hope that uh, you've had a great weekend and that you saw the topsy-turvy crazy sports world and said, what the heck is going on? I sure did. When you're seeing scores like Jacksonville beating the Bills uh, six to uh, nine to six, nine to six, guys. When you see that, and then, and then it gets better. You see the Broncos beat the Cowboys thirty to sixteen. You're like, what a topsy turvy sports weekend, right? In week nine. But I did. I am very proud of the Giants. They have sustained another week of wearing their jersey because they did win two out of the last three games. They did end their nine-week stretch, three and six. As bad as that sounds, it's better than two and seven. So I'm proud of the Giants for not totally alienating them. But I want to pick on the fact that our upstate team, the Bills, lost nine to six to Jacksonville. Can I pick on that at the, for the moment here on Alex uh, Garrett podcasting? Alex Garrett Knightley? Can I pick on that for a minute? Because here's the thing. You're the Bills. You lead the AFC East. What the heck are you doing? Uh, to lose 9-6. to six. All right, so the big thing was Josh Allen gets tackled by the Jaguars, Josh Allen. It was the first time in his... And I was thinking about this today. I was thinking about this today. The idea of any quarterback being sacked by the same name is very rare. Because Namath, I'm not sure how many Namaths were out there during Joe Namath's time with the actual name Joe Namath. But some of these quarterbacks had such rare, intriguing names. Did they not? Did they not? Dan Marino? I don't think you're going to get a Dan Marino in the league uh, sacking a damn Marino. Joe Montana. Very rare to have another Joe Montana out there. So for Josh Allen to be sacked by Josh Allen kind of made sense. Because <laughs> they are. Allen's a very common name in the NFL. As is Jones. I mean, we have two now, Mac Jones, Daniel Jones. Well, anyway, yeah, so Josh Allen and then Mac Jones, Daniel Jones. So those names are common. But it's no surprise that Josh Allen was sacked by Josh Allen. By that a quarterback was sacked by his namesake in a game. And that seemed to be one of the only intriguing parts of that game. Nine to six? And it's a stretch where Buffalo needs to win some games here, too. 
because they they will win the AFC East. But they should be wanting to keep up with teams like the Chiefs, teams like the Titans, teams like the Browns, teams like the the Ravens. They should want to keep in par, keep on par with them. Not have a awful loss to a Jacksonville team with two wins. Two wins. I hope I got that right. Two wins. Two wins. Only less than that is Texans at one and eight. That little Texan team that's kind of just a sore on the AFC South side right now at one and eight. One and eight. So Jacksonville. All right. Congratulations on being the Bills. But Buffalo, you're right now five and three. The Patriots are breathing down your neck at five and four. And you come out and you lose to Jacksonville? Are we kidding ourselves here? You come out and lose to Jacksonville in the middle of a playoff race for the AFC East. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Because the Ravens came back yesterday and won. They have a firm grip in the AFC North. You want to talk wild card? You're going to compete with the Steelers. You're going to compete with teams like the Raiders, like the Chiefs, even the Broncos, who are 5-4 and four after beating yesterday's uh, team. But yesterday's Cowboys in, a, in an improbable 30-60 to 60 win. So, as disappointing as the downstaters seem to always make us feel, as New York staters, Derek Jaws, I know, is actually an upstater, and he probably likes the Bills up in the Niagara area. But, and I heard him in shot takes today, uh, he's on a 10 a.m., by the way. But, as much as the downstaters, Freak us out, you know, frustrate us every week. Buffalo, man. A 9-6 flopper? A 9-6 flop? To Jacksonville? How does that happen? I know, you know, Susan Wallman and they say, you can't predict baseball, Susan. You can't predict sports, Susan. You can't. (laughs) You cannot predict a score like that. But the Bills, I expect way better from. I do. Especially against the Jaguars. Truly expect way better. Hey, tomorrow, by the way, looks like we might have a runner in the 50th New York City Marathon that uh, ran yesterday. And that's going to be fun. I, I can't wait to interview him, and I can't wait to have you guys listen to that. His name is Henry Wong. Hoping he has some availability to join us on Alex Garrett Knightley. Because for the 50th time, the 26.1 miles, the 26.2 miles were completed by thousands of marathoners. Thousands of marathoners. And that's exciting to me. 
it was exciting to see it back because you know last year with the pandemic the marathon was canceled here in New York but to see them in Brooklyn with all the cheering the musical stops the uh the stopwatches that was cool that was so cool I hope they have a run of the runners there and the funny thing is all these street closures all these things about the marathon what you don't see on television after the guys come in like 10 minutes later I I jest it feels like that though <laughs> uh after starting it the, the top runners come in like an hour or even less than starting from you know Staten Island going through Brooklyn going through Queens uh, I think they might go to then they go down to Central Park and finish there, right next to Tavern on the Green. But what you don't see are the inspirational ones that finish at five or six o'clock at night. Because remember, every time the marathon is on, okay, every time the marathon is on, I uh, I always love it. I love it being the first Sunday in September, uh, in November. Sorry, first Sunday in November. But I also love it because you got people in the dark finishing up hours after mainly everyone finished. But those that finish after everybody else but still pursue the 26.2, those are the heroes of the race. Those that finish the marathon when it's pitch black, nobody's really around anymore except some officials to guide like the final runners in. For those who proceed to do it, no matter how long it takes, that's a winner. You could say, well, the fastest runner, that's a winner. No, no, no. As someone who's running New York City, as someone who mainly feels like I've finished last a lot of the time because I'm running on the crutches and I have to run, walk, pace myself. Sometimes I'm in through the bunch. But as someone who really does feel like he's behind the pack, even has since I was a kid, to finish a race, no matter what time you do it in, that's exciting. That's eccentric. That is exhilarating to finish the job. And that's what these runners do. That's what the runners you don't see on TV do. You see the highlights, the elites, the elite wheelchairs. You don't see the average Joe making it just after a few hours. You don't see the average Joe making it after four or five hours. And that's a disservice to all the runners. That's why I like when you can live stream it on Twitter. Because you see those final runners emotional as they cross the finish line at five or six at night. And the clock falls back. So that hour takes away some, that hour of darkness sets in. But they finish. They don't get deterred. They're ready to go. And that, to me, is the guts and the glory of the New York City Marathon. And any marathon. But the New York City Marathon. The guts and the glory isn't the guy or woman who finishes well ahead of the pack about an hour after. The guts and the glory are the people that finish when they're meant to finish, when they are able to finish, really. And they don't quit. And they don't use the subway. And they don't use a bus. They run or walk 
all 26.2 miles. Those are the heroes of the race. Those are the heroes of the race. So you can complain about the street closures. You can complain about everything else. But the reality is. But the reality in my world. Is that. The people who. Finish gutsily. Those are the ones we have to protect. At all costs. At all costs. Now, if an American happens to win it, yes, I love that too. I love when Americans win the marathon. It feels very rare, but when it happens, it's great. It's amazing, actually. But to the cameras that turn off after the big winners and runners, guys, uh, let me see what I can do. So, maybe you'll want to run a marathon next year or down the road. and Maybe you'll feel a little discouraged as you're seeing others go way before you on the course. Don't, okay? Don't. Keep going. Keep going at your own pace. Keep striving. I'll tell you, you want a little insight, a little insight into my world on Alex Garrett Knightley? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I used to roll and walk. Yeah, I would use my roller blade. I'd run a little bit. I'd walk five miles when I was younger on Father's Day. And that roll and that walk and that run took a bit of a toll. My hands would get sweaty. And as a runner, I felt the adrenaline. But as a human, I kept telling myself every time. And then when, especially as I started to get to do the run walking and no skating, as I got older, I started to feel myself saying, I can't do it. I can't do it after a while. I can't do it next year. I can't, I'm, I'm, this is it. This is it. I kept telling myself, I'm not doing it next year. But that quickly dissipated when I crossed the finish line. I was like, all right, that was fun. That final run in where the crowds are cheering and hollering and you've got guys like Jeff Rom, the announcer, calling out your name and saying, here he comes, and that's fun. That makes you want to come back next year. On any scale, even the Fifth Avenue mile. Where, at my age group, everybody kind of gets ahead of the pack in the heat, and I'm kind of just being escorted by the NYPD. (laughs) They're right behind me, tagging along as I'm working on finishing the race from 80th Street to 60th Street. The police escort's literally right behind me, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm too slow, aren't I? But I would start to not care, and I'd be like, I'm going to finish this race. I don't care if everybody went off ahead of me. On one leg, on crutches, and a shoe, I'm going to run and walk my pace to get it done. And I have had that approach. I also approach it where... I do every 10 steps is a walk. Every 10 steps is a run. Every 10 steps is a walk. Every 10 steps is a run. And I preserve my energy when I do it that way. So if you ever are a runner, 
and you get discouraged. Take from me, someone who has to stop and literally wipe his hands down from the sweat on a summer day. Don't give up. Keep going. Those crutches turn into something magical. They just propel me to the finish line. And if you need a, a mental crutch, it's this. You can finish your race at your time. And maybe you'll start to feel the world stopping for you. And it is. When you're on a 26.2 mile course, the world is stopping for you to finish that race. And you are kind of in control of your world. You can control the heartbeats, the breaths, the stamina, the energy. You can control all that 26.2 miles. All the way. Is it difficult? Heck yes. Is it fun? Also, heck yes. Is the end result worth coming back again next year? Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt about it. Do you ever need a kick in the pants or some motivation? Just run. Run like even no one's watching. And you'll do you. And the world will respect that. Even when the TV cameras aren't there, the world will respect you. You know why? Because your finish will be televised on or live streamed. And the tears that flow from everybody finishing the marathon is contagious. You can't help but feel emotional, right? You can't help but feel emotional when you see these people uh, crossing the finish line, tears in their eyes, 26.2 miles in. And every marathon, you can't help but think you're running for those victims of the Boston Marathon eight years ago. That bombing still haunts every marathon, every security checkpoint, every clear bag that needs to be checked in at the marathon. That bombing set off a precedent. So yes, you're not only running in New York City, you're not only running for yourself. You're running to say, we will not let that deter us. We will not live in fear. We will finish this race. We don't care how many people are in front of us. We are going to do this at our own damn time. That's how I feel about it. That's how I feel about it. We're going to do this at our own pace, own time, own it is true the tortoise and the hare now it's also true the people who are the hare quote, quote unquote do finish first or beyond but it's the message that tortoise sends that I'm going to finish this race I'm going to keep on chugging I'm going to keep going and that keeping going, that moving forward, that taking those 10 steps, run or walking, just to get to the finish line, it could be in mile one. And those forward motions get you to mile, in my case, it was mile five. But get you to mile 26.2 in Central Park. Every stride you make 
through the streets of Brooklyn, through the streets of Queens, through the streets of Bronx, the Bronx, through the streets of Manhattan, all lead to a finish line and a finishing time. Yeah, you may not have that ribbon to cut through to win it. But you know what? You have a hell of a lot to be proud of for finishing that race at your speed. And I think the marathon here on Alex, Alex Garrett Knightley could teach us that doing it on our own speed is okay. Doing things on our own time is okay. I believe that. And the marathon shows that. So, buck up. Get your running shoes out. Think about it. Even if you jog, think about forward motion through running. And you'll be good. Just as long as you don't use the middle stall after winning your race. Did you hear about this on Alex Garnelli? Did you hear about this study? Now, I don't understand why people would take hours to study this. I just, I don't. But there's a study out that says the bathroom the bathroom's middle stall are the most commonly used stalls in public. This is dating back to 1995. A 1995 study from the University of California, San Diego, looked at placement preferences among people in a variety of scenarios. Researchers monitored how much toilet paper was used in each stall of a men's bathroom at a local beach for 10 weeks and concluded the middle two stalls used up to 60% of the toilet paper over that time, showing people preferred the middle toilets to the outside stalls. It's called the centrality preference. But guys, especially guys, if there are three urinals <laughs> and you have stalls next to you, but there are three urinals, isn't the bro code to not be in that middle urinal? To go to another stall? To actually go to a stall? Isn't the bro code not to stand next to each other at a urinal when there's 5,000 others empty? Isn't that weird? Wouldn't that be weird? I think so. And they did the study with this preference, with the, with the point being that if you don't want the bacteria, you don't want the germs, you don't want this, don't use the middle stall. Because it's the most used. Don't use that middle stall. But I'll go even better than that. It's common sense. If you're next to, if you're in a, a public place and you have 5,000 empty urinals, don't stand next to the dude who's at one. Stand a few urinals down, bro. That's just weird. But it gets even better, this study. I, and, and, and this is why I love Alex Garrett Knightley, because I could cover ish like this that's just off the charts bizarre. 
why not talk about the fact that <laughs> this this was unbelievable? They say you can't catch anything from sitting on a public toilet seat. That seems like breaking news. I feel like you catch anything from sitting on the toilet seat. But because our skin is a strong barrier against the bacteria and keeps you safe. William Schaffner, a doctor at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, told the Huffington Post, toilet seats are not a vehicle for transmission of any infectious agents. You won't catch any. I've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. But here's where... Here's where it gets really gross. Our phones... There's a good chance... (laughs) One in six phones were found to have traces of fecal matter because we use them while on the toilet. One in six phones had fecal matter. That grosses me out. According to a 2011 study from the University of London. And that while various public bathroom services uh, might have, the least germy part was the toilet seat. But in my view, especially when you go to a sports event, and we know the lines are freaking crazy to begin with for the bathroom. But if you're at a sporting event and you have to use a stall, start out the ends. And then if you see a vacant urinal, stand and someone's at another urinal, stand up like literally two urinals or a urinal away. Can we stop being on top of each other at these freaking games? It's gross. We're literally standing on top of each other as someone-so's hitting a home run, as someone-so's hitting a three-run, getting a three-pointer to win the game, as someone-so's getting that game-winning goal. We're literally on top of ourselves at these games. I've seen it. Can we spread out a little bit more? Jeez. That's how I feel. Let's spread out a little bit more. God dang it. Let's spread out more. Let's avoid that middle stall. I I think... I think the... uh, The middle stall... Is cursed, actually. But if you have to use it, you have to use it. But please, guys, at sporting events, let's spread out. Let's not be on top of each other. I know that beer is flowing through you after the first quarter, after the second quarter. I know it is. But come on, if you see a line, go to another bathroom. We have this obsession with crowding over each other in a bathroom just so we can get the kickoff for this third quarter. I've noticed this stuff. It's like there's an obsession with waiting on line. It's such a tradition in sports to wait on the line. I I mean you can but a little a little space would be good. We we've already been told 
stay six feet apart from each other. Somehow that's out the window when you're at a baseball game, when you're at a, ba- so a football game, a, a hockey game, a basketball game. We're, we don't do the six feet rule. We just try and clam every bathroom possible, especially with five minutes left in the second quarter, especially with, like, even in basketball or five minutes left in the period for intermission. We just crowd each other up. We don't care. It's kind of gross. I want to see some changes. And the funny thing is, on the Sports Hour, I've talked about the bathroom before. And maybe you should do this. Email me, alex at alexnyc.com. Have you ever missed a moment while you're in the restroom? Yeah, let me ask that again. Have you ever missed a moment while you're in the restroom? Also text me uh, at 206. Literally at a place called text me. 206-426-9884. Text me there. I respond. I respond. But yeah, the middle stall has now been proven to be disgusting, and I wouldn't really want to go in the middle stall. And if you have two urinals and one's, you have three urinals and one on the ends are used, don't use the middle urinal, please. Just go to the stall. God dang it. And one last thought tonight. There's a, you know, there's a feud about how Big Bird got vaccinated against COVID-19. And the funny thing is, you know, they they love to talk about letters. <laughs> so my thought was, boy, I guess this letter this week on Sesame Street Row is V is for vaccinated. That's, uh, that was my thought on that. But the outrage about it is so stupid. When we literally have a majority of Americans who haven't taken the co-vaccine saying they won't. That's more stupid. That's more worrisome than Big Bird taking his vaccine. And did you know, did you know people who seem to want to rail about this as propaganda like Senator Ted Cruz, did you guys know that Big Bird has been doing these vaccine bits since 1972? So it's nothing new. But in the age of this world in 2021, even a vaccination by a cart, by a character, by a Muppet is drawing ire. When will the madness end? When will the madness end? As Rio Leo says, it was Madness Monday today. And I think the uproar over Big Bird is maddening. There's so much other stuff we need to worry about. We have to worry about to save our country. And it is convincing those who never want to get the vaccine to actually get the jab at their own time. At their own time. Finishing the marathon at their own time. It's up to us. We control that. And I wish government would just realize that by now. So don't use the middle stall. Get your running shoes going. Congrats to the Giants for actually going two out of three. And Buffalo, don't lose like that again. You can't afford it. You cannot afford to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars types. Insane. 
But I'm Alex Garrett. We will talk to you very soon on Alex Garrett Nightly. And uh, check out all my podcasts, Alex Garrett Podcasting, on, uh, well, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It's all there. Check it out. And on Kenny Dig Sports. Nightly, <laughs> 10 to 11 p.m. Take care.